Welcome to Career Tools. This week, task management, the next action, refined. The questions this cast answers are, what does next action mean? What should I do with my next action? And when should I action my next action? Since you're someone who listens to their management guidance, we hope you'll be happy that you can now listen to the effective hiring manager, Mark's book on hiring. And this time he did narrate it. Mark will take you from the moment you have an opening to your new hire starting. And everybody wants to hire the best possible candidate, but few people know how. And once you've listened to this book, you'll be one of those in the know. Find the links to all the ways you can purchase it on our website. The term next action as a term, capital letters, uh, comes from David Allen's seminal book, Getting Things Done. And in it, David Allen exhorts us not to use our to-do list for project names or complex actions. Instead, he says, think about your next action. And if you get it right, he says, you'll have the key substantive thing to organize, which I translate as being the thing you have to do next. So how do you do that? What do you do next? And how can you make the concept of next actions better? In this guidance, we're going to tell you that and more. And more. (laughs) All right. We're going to start by um, first talking about what a next action is. Then we're going to talk about adding deadlines, uh, removing the word and, writing it down, scheduling time to actually action it, and delegating to your direct or alternately the floor. So we'll start with what is a next action. So if you haven't read Getting Things Done, I don't know why you wouldn't have, but anyway, I think everybody's read that book, uh, along with The 4-Hour Quake is the two books I think everybody's read. Um, but according to the book and David Allen in the book, uh, a next action has a very specific definition. It's the next visible physical activity required to move a project forward. And in my edition of the book, Uh, which is the 2001 edition, the examples are call Fred referenced the telephone number for the garage he recommended, draft thoughts for the budget meeting agenda, talk to Angela about the filing system we need to set up, and research database management software on the web. So all of those things are physical or visible actions. You know, uh, you might not be able to see your thoughts, but you can see drafting. You know, you the end of that action is a draft, even if it's just on the back of an envelope. Um, people could see you talking to Angela. The results of research should be a list of things you've discovered, hopefully, um, if your research is successful. Um, so all of those things, you can see them being done. Yeah, exactly. Which is in the defining of next actions. You'll notice Alan's trying to fight against the tendency for many of us to put things on our list, like get the annual report printed, right? Because the point of it being, there are many things that go into the task of getting an annual report printed, right? That's not a singular task like the ones you mentioned earlier. In order to print that report, we actually, well, first we need to gather the data to even create that report. Then we need to collate the report create the document, and send it to the printer. So that step consists of many different tasks. And not only that, gathering the data could mean getting in touch with accountants, 
um, talking to a, a different department, asking for the data and processing it when we finally receive it. What happens is we put the project of getting the report printed on our to-do list and then every time we do it, it's a scary list because there's too many. Oh, I, I know I need to do that, but I can't even think about what I need to do. Um, and so you leave it and then it gets late. So Alan's kind of defense against that tendency is to tell you to do the very next action, which is potentially if it's a new annual report, create a folder on your computer for the data. You know, it's a really simple and very um, granular action. But if you've listened to us for any length of time, you'll have heard Horseman's Christmas Rule, which says that anything that you do rarely and important, you are never going to get better at. And so to encourage people to get better at something when they're new at it, we, we tell them to just concentrate on the frequency do it a lot rather than the quality. So if you think of a new manager who uh, needs to give feedback, for example, which most people uh, hesitate to do in the beginning, and of course they're not good at it because they've never done it before apart from when they practice at the conferences with Sarah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what we tell them is do it a lot. Yes, you'll mess it up. We have a whole rollout process which tells you about telling your team so that they know you're going to mess it up and they know what you're what you're trying to do and they give you some grace on it. But we know you're going to mess it up because you've never done it before. That's why we start with eight weeks of positive, right? Yeah, exactly. If you did 10 pieces of feedback every day for eight weeks, that's 4,400 pieces of feedback, by the end, you'd be pretty good. It's good because you have time, you have opportunities to develop your technique. If you only ever give feedback in your head in the car when you're listening to a podcast, we can guarantee you're not getting any better. You're not getting better. So, <laughs> so the point of this is uh, we are sending managers out to give feedback and we know they're going to do it badly, but we know that if they do it a lot, they'll get better. And this is the same kind of thing with David Allen. He knows that the problem is that people write projects on their to-do list and then can't action them because they don't know what to do first or they don't have a kind of handhold on it to get started. And so what he's trying to do is help us with that first step by telling us to collect and define our next actions in a way that we can actually action them. And that's the, that's the volume part of getting better at something. All he's saying is, Go and collect all of your next actions and just break it down into something simple that you can do. Except once you've done that and you've got good at it, like getting good at positive feedback and then you get to negative feedback, if you've done GTD for any length of time or if you've been collecting next actions and you're good at putting actions on your to-do list rather than projects, there's more you can do to make that step better. And he hasn't written Yeah, he hasn't book. got there yet. So we're going to write it, or at least we're going to tell you in this podcast how, once you've got the hang of next actions, how you can make them better. Right. And uh, the first part of that is adding a deadline. Every next action has to have a deadline or a due date, right? David Allen says that the only things that should go on your calendar, that is uh, things that have an actual due date tied to them, are appointments. Things that need to be done on a specific date 
at a specific time and are inclusive of the information that you need on that date. For example, uh, like the address of the building for a particular meeting that you are set to attend on a day. And again, it's fighting against the tendency of putting deadlines on tasks and then changing the deadline when it doesn't get done, right? You're working towards it. You only get 10% of it completed. You can't cross it off and it's there. Yeah. And so you just give it another date. (laughs) You just push it. You just keep pushing it. And you can because it's not due, right? So Janet Riley, who is a getting things done coach, describes it in this way. It is true that we emphasize that it is not productive to create lengthy to-do lists you expect to accomplish on a specific day and then keep moving that list from day to day when unexpected priorities and tasks arise. So many people treat their task lists um, like the modern day equivalent, really, of rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic, right? They never actually get anything done because they just have this list of constantly moving targets that have no final due dates. Exactly. So his solution is don't give anything a due date unless it actually absolutely has to be done on a day. You know, if your child is graduating, yes, you have to go to the school on the day they're graduating. Uh, but everything else, he says, don't have a due date. That solves this problem of giving things due dates and moving them. However, you know, once you're past that, that initial I've stopped moving things just because I didn't pick a right due date, you'll end up with a long list of next things to do and no decision about when they should be done or what order they should be done, what should be done first. In fact, David Allen says your next action lists serve as the day-to-day working list of your action choices. And I think choices is a really interesting word because what we know about professionalism is it's not what you want to do, it's what you need to do. And a lot of the time, what we want to do and what we need to do are not the same thing. So we're not making choices. I guess we are, we're making decisions, but it, choices to me has an emotional component. It's a, it's what I choose to do rather than necessarily what I need to do. So the danger of the undeadlined next action list is that you always do the things that you want to do and you never get around to any of the things that you need to do. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And at Manager Tools, We know that deadlines drive behavior. It's amazing when your boss gives you something to do and doesn't give you a deadline, it just hangs out there. The moment he says, I need that tomorrow, oh, all of a sudden, you're going to get it done. So once you're, you're moving from choosing what to do, that emotional, I want to do it, to doing the thing that you need to do, you need deadlines. Um, So... You can test this. If you look at your to-do list right now, which tasks haven't got done? And we'll bet it's the ones without deadlines. Right. Uh, You know, uh, Gretchen Rubin says that things that can be done at any time often get done at no time. In other words, if there's no deadline, it doesn't get done. We also know that work contracts to fit the time available. This is Horstman's corollary to Parkinson's law. And... I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) I know, right? Corollary is your word. If we say, I'll do my expenses next week, what that actually looks like in my world is 
We'll take all week, spending like two or three minutes every day kind of contributing to our final expense report. Whereas if we say, okay, I will have my expense report done on Wednesday, what that means is we might not actually start till Wednesday, but when we actually sit down and work on our expenses, there is a 90% chance we're going to finish them on Wednesday, right? Rather than grazing throughout the week on our expenses, sitting down and actually doing expenses because it's due on Wednesday. If you start it without a deadline, if you just say, I'm going to do it this week, you start and then an email comes in and because you have toast on your computer, you see the email and you're like, oh, that's way more interesting than what I'm doing. And like three hours later, you're like, what was I doing? And you go, oh, expenses, and you start, and then an instant message comes in. You're like, oh, that's more interesting. And you never finish things. The other trick is to include the time of day in your deadline. Even if you're just working on things that you're doing by yourself, it makes sense to add times. Because how often have you got to the end of the day without actually doing anything you intended to do? Like about once a week at least? Yeah. If you add times, to the three things you absolutely have to get done today, you're much more likely to get them done. Most of us, most of us react well to the pressure of deadlines, even when they're not true. And one of David Allen's reasons for not giving actions due dates is that we create fake ones um, and then we ignore them because we know we're fa- they're fake and that we teach our brain that due dates don't matter. So you do have to follow your what past you decided you should be doing this morning is what what present you needs to do. Um, when you add the time, it forces you to look at your calendar and think about whether achieving the task in that time before that time is possible. If you say, I'm going to finish my expenses by noon and you have meetings from nine until noon, you've got two choices. Either you get it done before nine or you decide that you're not going to get it done by noon when you're in the planning phase. Deadlines have all sorts of positive consequences for actually getting things done. Mm -hmm. And actually getting things done early. This actually happened to me last week, Wendy. Um, We were, I was talking to Tracy and I said, I'll have the profit and loss statements reviewed for you by Monday at noon. And because I knew my deadline was noon, when it was like, it was like 10 a.m. I'm like, oh my goodness, if I don't do this now, I'm I'm going to totally forget to do it. Exactly. Now, I don't have any actual data because I didn't do it this way. But had I said, I'll do it on Monday, Mm -hmm. I probably, knowing myself, would have waited till about 4.30 or 5 o'clock and been like, oh, shoot, I really need to do that thing for Tracy. And not only that, that reviewing P&Ls needs some brain power. And at 5.30, your brain power is much less than it is at 10 a.m., right? If you put times on things, you can then start to look at your tasks and order them by the amount of energy you need to do them or the low amount of energy you need to do them. And I know David Allen has context for that, but I also think that times uh, help too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We'll be visiting Portland, Oregon, March 24th and 25th with our Effective Manager and Effective Communicator conferences. If you're familiar with our schedule, we only visit Portland once per year. So here's your chance. Register today at manager-tools.com forward slash training. The next part of this then is something that we at Manager Tools actually um, deal with quite often. And that is the removal of and. 
Now, uh, Alan doesn't specifically address this, except in the physical visible action would necessarily not have an and in it. Now, to be clear, no next action should have an and in it. It's true just generally of tasks everywhere in that any task that has an and in it is actually by definition two different tasks. And what we're really doing is we're using an and to join those together. And in our joining of those two tasks, we make both of them harder. Okay. Now, especially for those of us, and I know I love crossing things off my to-do list. How do you cross 50% of a single task off your to-do list? It's impossible, right? Whereas two tasks, I get two credits. I get to cross two things off and I love that. Yeah. It, It does sometimes make sense to put tasks together. But here's where it gets difficult. We'll give you an example. If my task was look in the glove box for gas receipts for expenses and the registration for my car for inspection. Looking in the glove box is one task, that's true, but it belongs to two projects. So when I find the gas receipts and the registration, what am I gonna do? I have to make a decision about which project to do first. I either head to my desk to submit the expenses and then I take, I bring the, re- the registration with me or I put them both with my insurance ready for the inspection. And that's why I can't find things or I find things in strange places. It's because I did two tasks together and I had to make a choice. What am I going to do next? And so everything came with me to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Here's another example. Entering the Amazon order number and FedEx tracking number into the database. Now, this is something at Manager Tools that we deal with because we ship from Amazon and through FedEx on the same day, at the same time, it's all part of shipping to an event. Now, how do you mark that task done if you have the order number, but the item hasn't shipped yet? So you don't actually have a FedEx tracking number. Do you mark it done because you have the order number and then hope that you remember to go back later and like stick in the FedEx tracking number? Or do you just leave it undone? Until you get both of those things, again, how do you cross out half of a task? You just leave it. In our case, we use um, conditional formatting spreadsheets. So now you just leave it showing as red, I guess, when it really isn't actually red because part of it is done. It simplifies life immensely by making every single task a different task, one single action, right? It allows you to actually mark them done as they're done rather than a bunch of notes saying, well, I'm kind of halfway done. Sorry about that. Right? Yeah. And explaining yourself constantly. Why are you red? Well, I'm only partways red. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes it much easier. The next we have, write it down. Um, And I'm going to use write it down as a description. Uh, Even if you use an electronic system and enter and record would be better verbs, just use the verb (laughs) that works best for you, but I'm going to use write it down. Um, And David Allen says your mind is for having ideas, not holding them. And in this, we agree. And it doesn't matter whether you use a notebook or OmniFocus or something else in between, a spreadsheet, um, Google Keep, there's all sorts of to-do list managers or task managers. You can use anything, Um, but you do want to make sure that your next actions end up in your task manager. And not only do you need a task manager, it needs to be somewhere that you look constantly. 
Uh, there's no sense in thinking you're going to use OmniFocus if you can't download it onto your corporate computer or you can't access the web URL for the web-based version. It has to be something that you're in all day, every day, that's directing your work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So now that you've chosen your your tool of choice for collecting your next actions, when you enter the next action in whatever system that you've decided to use, you want to include all of the information that you're going to need to do that task. So uh, going back to Wendy's example earlier, look in the glove box for gas receipts on Tuesday the 5th of February at noon in brackets, when I go to Mamacita's for lunch. I go to drive to Mamacita's, I'm in the car, I can look at the golf carts. And there's a bunch of reasons why we want to be so specific and add in all that detail. And the first is because while your shorthand makes sense to you now, it may not when you come back to the task. How many times have you done that? (laughs) Yeah, if you doubt me, how many times have you taken notes in a meeting and then said, I don't know what I meant, I can't even read that word. Um, I don't know what those three initials are for. Right? I know I know what that said when I wrote it, but now, in hindsight, I have no idea what that was about. Right? It takes you then an additional 10 minutes to try and recall what you actually meant. Waste of time. Yeah, case closed. (laughs) Put the detail in your task. Exactly. And second, and more importantly almost, uh, you need to get it out of your head. Right? The less time you spent thinking about and dwelling on in your brain, ooh, what's next? What's next? The more time you can actually spend thinking about creative solutions, other resources, how to do things cheaper, better, how to be more creative, just generally, you can spend some time experimenting with your next ideas and finding that next big thing if all of those trivial pieces of information get pushed out of your head. You don't need them to be there. You make space. And then thirdly, if you follow the GTD system to the letter, Alan tells you to have a list of next actions without a connection to the projects they belong to. And if you follow that guidance, you could end up with tasks that say, call Angela and ask what time the meeting starts and no recollection of which meeting meeting? you were referring to. I go to like three meetings a week with Angela. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. exactly. And Most electronic systems, if you use an electronic task manager, will allow you to cut the data by its attributes. So if you've got things tagged next action, you can sort those and just look at those. Or you can cut it differently and look at the projects with the next actions. But there's always a a risk that your tasks get separated and become incomprehensible. So more information in the task itself is helpful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Guys, at the end of the day, big ideas need time. It's Bill Gates, who famously takes think weeks, right, where he goes to a cabin in the woods and thinks for a week, right? Now, during one of those weeks, which seemed to many of us like, really, that's possible? Yeah, he thought of the idea for Internet Explorer on a think week, right? Warren Buffett reportedly spends 80% of his time reading and thinking, Would it be possible for you to spend 80% of your work week reading and thinking? And if you did, can you imagine all the things that you'd be able to do if you had that kind of time? It's the organization and the automation of the mundane that allows us to think and work at a higher level. If you're always trying to remember what you're supposed to be doing in your car 
on the way to lunch, you'll never spend that 10 minutes with your mind wandering and coming up with the solution to that knotty problem. It's like allowing your subconscious to speak to your consciousness. If your consciousness is thinking, where am I going and what am I supposed to be doing? It can't hear the unconscious mind who who has all the solutions if you're a bit woo-woo like I am. I know my best ideas strike me either while I'm trying to fall asleep or more often in the shower. Did you know that they actually have whiteboards? That yes. you can with the yes, exactly. Yeah. With the stickies on your wall of your shower. Yeah, and notice boards, um, um, like notepads. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's when your brain, when your brain is finally freed up and you've written those things down, you've got them out of your brain. Your brain cells are now free to dwell on those higher level actions. I find I, I get in the car the moment I get in the car and and my part of my brain is occupied by the driving bit um, and then I'm listening to something. So part of my brain's occupied with that. And the final part of my brain just comes up with ideas. I, I get in the car, I get to the end of the road and I've already had an idea and I'm, I'm dialing. Thank God for Bluetooth because now I can dial and say, hey, Mike, I just had the best idea. Hey, someone who's sitting somewhere that can write stuff down. Right, exactly. So once you've written the things down, now we need to schedule time to action it. And as I, as we said earlier in the book, David Allen doesn't re- recommend putting anything apart from appointments and hard deadlines on your calendar. And many people take that to mean they should not schedule time to do those tasks. But uh, I found something he'd written on uh, the internet that said, anything that works for you and not against you is canonical GTD. Usually when I recommend against something, it's because people too often take that something as a big should. And when they don't stick with it, it undermines self-trust. But a structure of a thought is not inherently good or bad. It's how it's used. His point being, don't take the instruction to only put appointments and hard deadlines on your calendar to mean that you shouldn't schedule time to do tasks if that will help you. Again, uh, we said earlier the problem he was trying to solve for people was all the people who have all sorts of things on their calendar overlapping. They have tasks with due dates that they made up. They're moving things from day to day to day. And so his solution was like, okay, we'll just get rid of all these problems and we'll just do the simplest thing. But you guys are past that. So now we can start scheduling time. And David Allen's okay with that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And we know that no one out there that's listening to this podcast right now doesn't have too much to do, right? All of us have too much to do. Despite our focus on career and achievement, we don't believe that you need to work all of the hours that are on your clock, right? Uh, In fact, part of the reason for our guidance is to help you be more effective in order to enable you to go home at the end of the day, right? At Manager Tools, we say all the time, family first. Your time at work is limited. And if you want to make sure certain tasks get done during those appropriated work hours, scheduling them within the boundaries of your work week is just the way to go. Of course, the final part is Once you've scheduled them, you have to actually do them. That's the other thing. You have to follow your calendar. Do do what past you decided you were going to do. When, whether you want to or not, whether you feel like it or not, when you get there. 
And that's how you start to get ahead of your work. You look at next week and you look at all the tasks with a deadline during that week. And you can only do this if you have written down all of the tasks and given them due dates. And then you estimate how long those tasks will take and you Tetris them into your calendar without overlapping. And you have to leave some white space for unexpected things, for, um, you know, helping a colleague. As we said, nobody ever puts helping a colleague on their calendar. Um, And you mustn't, you know, don't forget the standing meetings and the email and phone calls and lunch and so on. And once you've done that, then you can see, oh, dear, it doesn't fit. Oh, dear, this math is not going to work. Exactly. Um, So then... That's why the last piece of this then uh, is delegate to your direct or to the floor. Because if you work a 40-hour work week and there's 70 hours of work to do, you know why you're stressed, why you're working overtime, and why you're wondering why God didn't make a day 48 hours long, right? You can't do 70 hours of work in 40 hours. It's just the math doesn't add up, guys. It's not possible. No matter how hard you try, it's not going to get done. So it's time to decide what work should get done and what work oughtn't be done by you. Some of the work is more important than the other work. So focus on the important and delegate to your directs or to the floor, things that just simply don't need getting done. We talk about this at our conferences all the time. I know many of us have, uh, there are meetings that you're scheduled to to attend and you think to yourself before you go to that meeting, oh, good Lord, (laughs) I contribute nothing to this meeting. I have not gained value from this meeting once in the last six months. Okay, guys, low hanging fruit. Stop doing it. If you're creating a report right now and you think to yourself, I am doing this for my own personal well-being and no one's reading it. How do I know that? Last week, out of my three-page report, I posted the first page not the other two, and no one said a darn thing. (laughs) No one even noticed. Okay, so maybe you're the only one reading your report, okay? There are many opportunities. Exactly. There are podcasts for it, um, for both things, for delegating to your floor and for delegating to your directs. But there is definitely an opportunity for all of us to utilize this skill more, for sure. And just think about the people that you think of as organized, in control, on top of their jobs. Do they work 70 hours a week? Probably not. Do they do everything? No. They do what's important. They do what only they can do. That's the model for you to follow. Writing a task down and giving a date is not actually a commitment to doing it. It's a method of getting everything out in front of you so that then you can decide which ones you're going to do and when you're going to do them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So in summary, getting things done has a wealth of really valuable information. And you can find millions of articles on the web about it. There's, there's groups that follow the practices of getting things done. However- it's all sorts of variations and yeah, that, yeah. You, that's a rabbit hole you can go down. <laughs> Forever, exactly. And if you took just one thing from the book, the concept and practice of next action would be the thing to take away. You don't have to implement, as Wendy says, you can go down this rabbit hole of getting things done. There's an entire system you can implement um, that you can get benefit from. But step number one is start by finding your next actions, write them down, and then schedule some time to do them and actually do them, of course. 
It sounds so simple. Why don't we all do that? Right? All Why don't the we time? all do that? It's so easy. Yeah. We don't. And we need practice. <laughs> we need to get better and at it. We need to remind ourselves that this is where we want to get to. And and we'll all fall off the wagon and we'll all get back on and say, This is what I want to do. This is what makes me effective. This is what helps me get things done. So either if you've done GTD before, recommit. If you have never done it, start with the next actions. Thanks, Sarah. All right, perfect. Thank you, Wendy. That's all for this week. We'll be back next week with a different topic.